it was this revelation to me how good I felt when I tried ice swimming and got hooked on it, um, cycling year round in, a, in the winter, even when it's like minus 10, minus 20. And, and then I started looking into it and there's, there's actually research and evidence and a lot of background on what that does to the body physiologically and mentally. I mean, it sets off, you know, endorphins, the happy hormones, um, it reduces stress. Hey everyone, I'm Andy Petronic. I'm the co-founder of the Whole Life Challenge and welcome to episode one of the Breaking Ordinary podcast. This is a show about raising the bar, improving your life, transforming your health, fitness, and well-being, and shattering the status quo. My guests are people who have found their inner strength and confidence to lead from the front, to stand out, to be different, and to truly make a difference in the world of health, fitness, and well-being. Their stories will astound, inspire, and inform, and will help generate ideas that spring you into action. Yes, it's an exciting day for the podcast. We've rebranded, we've changed names. I'm actually going to probably keep the numbering intact. Uh, rather than starting completely over, starting with a new, completely different podcast, you know, this is not what I do full-time for a living, so uh, I've got one podcast, and uh, it's just going to change names. Hopefully, I'm not going to keep changing names. This is the third name, the second name change that I've made in less than a year. And um, that, that is the first thing I wanted to let you guys know. Uh, you know, I'm always experimenting. I'm always exploring. I'm always trying new things. And we changed. I always felt like the podcast should have a different, I don't know, different feel than the Whole Life Challenge. It's not the same as the Whole Life Challenge. So when I first started podcasting, I didn't have anything else to really think of calling it except the Whole Life Challenge podcast. And then I thought, well... You know, this is my opportunity when I rebranded it to kind of stand out from from within the whole life challenge. And uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity for me to just call the podcast the Andy Petronic Podcast. But what I one of the things I realized over the about six months that we've had that name is that many people that go to the podcast that see the Andy Petronic Podcast have absolutely no idea what that means. Um. I'm not a household name as much as I might like to think I am. <laughs> and um, I want the, I want people to have some idea from the title. You know, if, if the title was, you know, by the most famous locksmith of all time, you know, named James, um, I don't know, James value. Uh, I no no the The James value podcast would mean nothing to me, but, but become or being the world's greatest locksmith would be a, I would know and know about what I'm, you know, what I'm getting myself into. So that was the intention behind changing the name. And, um, it's gone through, it was, it's been quite a process. I spent many, many, many hours and much creative time coming up with words and names. I mean, that breaking ordinary was not easy to come to. And, uh, uh, neither was the artwork. We, we, um, we actually did a 99 designs contest just to give us new, fresh ideas. And of course I screwed that up. I didn't set it up quite the right way. Cause I've never really done it before. 
But um, I had hundreds of entries and um, decided on the one I decided with, much to the chagrin of a few of the other people on my team. Um, they didn't really like the direction I was headed with this. and But as it turns out, they do now. And, that, and you know, it's my podcast. So it doesn't matter. I mean, they, they I, hopefully you guys like the artwork. I love it. I, it, it inspires me and makes me want to do more of it. And uh, that's really what's important for me. Hopefully it gets other people into the into the whole life challenge world and into my world into this breaking ordinary world Uh, because really when i look back at the types of conversations i've had over the last two years with guests yes they've been in the area of health and well-being but it's all health and well-being as related to what I would say, breaking ordinary. These people are either, they're super achievers, they're overachievers, they're writing about things that are fringe, that are, or maybe not fringe, but they're incredibly useful for lots of people, but they're things not many people know about. Take, for instance, my guest today, I'm sure you haven't heard of her before, her name's Katja Pansar, and she's the author of a book called The Finnish Way. The Finnish Way happens to be Sisu, and it's not a word that has an, a translation in English. And um, I'll tell you a little bit more about her in one second. But I just want to finish up with a name change story and then remind you guys of a couple things. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, one of the other decisions I had to make was do we restart the podcast? Do we start a brand new podcast? Decided just to just keep it intact. Keep it the way it is. Um, change the artwork. So now it looks like every episode is, was the Breaking Ordinary podcast. And, um, yeah, what else? I'm super excited about it. I'd love to hear from you. If you like it, if you like the artwork, snap a picture of it, stick it up on Instagram, tag me. I mean, at Andy Petronic, stick it up on Twitter, stick it up on Facebook. Um, send me an email. The email address for the podcast is podcast at wholelifechallenge.com. So I'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah. So a couple things about me that I'm working on and you heard me talk about this last week is um, I'm now doing corporate speaking events. So if we're doing a lot of the speaking for companies that are doing the whole life challenge. So if you're in that category or you did the whole life challenge and you have a company or organization that you think would be prime candidates for doing the whole life challenge, I'd love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, whether it's to get your company to do the whole life challenge or it's to have me come out and talk about health and wellness in the corporate environment and health and wellness in life. I'd love to do that. So again, email me at podcast at whole Um, many of you know, I have a monthly newsletter. I didn't publish an episode, uh, an episode. I didn't publish a, what's, what is it called? I don't want to call it an episode. I didn't publish an episode on October, the beginning of October because I really didn't have a whole lot to say. Uh, and rather than just sending you something to be a placeholder for October, I just decided I'd wait till November. So that will be coming. And um, I've got a whole slew of bodyweight workouts on my YouTube channel. Oh, actually on the Whole Life Challenge YouTube channel. You can find them at Whole Life Challenge. You can find them on the the whole life challenge YouTube channel, but you can also find them on my website, andypetronic.com forward slash workouts. 
their bodyweight workouts. You can do them in your hotel room, in your living room. I'm actually going to record another one this afternoon. And um, yeah, they're, they're 40. This will be 41 that will be published next week. So check it out. Um, I don't want to belabor bringing Katya in any longer. We talk, Katya's book, The Finish Way, is a book that really surprised me. I, I didn't really expect much, except for the fact that it's about Sisu. And if you remember, um, some of you remember Scott McGee, who was a guest on my podcast, uh, gosh, about a year ago. He's a Santa Monica SWAT team member, and he has a podcast called The Sisu Way. I was just a guest on his podcast, so I know all about Sisu. And Sisu is really a a mindset. It's about a willingness to do whatever it takes to get the job done. It's it's a willingness to take the harder road because you know that the work involved in the harder road is worth it, is valuable. Like one example we talk about in the podcast is raking leaves. You may hire a gardener to rake your leaves, but you there, there are a lot of people especially in Finland, who have this Sisu mentality, they, they want to do the raking of the leaves because they know that the investment in their, their body, their yard, their house, the beauty, beauty, beautifying of their house is, is time well spent. And, you know, Sisu can be anything from yard work to your body, to your health, to your relationship with your wife or your husband, to your spiritual development and your spiritual connection to God, taking the road, you know, when you don't feel like meditating and you wake up at five o'clock in the morning and the alarm goes off and you know that's your time to meditate and you're like, eh, I'm going to roll over and not do it. Sisu would have you do it. Um, you know, a lot of people find Sisu through swimming in cold water or taking cold showers. We talk about that in the podcast. That's one of my accesses. So listen, I'm not going to tell you more about the podcast because it's time for you to listen and time for you to hear it straight from Katja. So um, here we go. Three, two, one, Katja Ponsar. So uh, some people might have already joined us on YouTube Live. I have no idea. But if you have, welcome to the podcast. This is, I'm Andy Petronic of The Whole Life Challenge, and this is Katja do you say Pansar? Yeah, actually in English I say Katya Panzar. It's just too thank complicated you. to pronounce thank, it. Yes, thank you. Thank you for correcting me, Katya. No problem. Um, and she's the author of a book called The Finnish Way. Um, in, in England, actually, it's got I was doing some research online and I found this other book called uh, Finding Sisu, and I thought, God, is this another book by Katya? And uh no, it turns out that that's the uh version that has been published in England. And uh, so just different, same book, different title. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to uh, join you. I, I've been, uh, and you know, what's really cool about this is you're in Finland and I'm here in the United States. Like how many time zones away? Nine time zones, eight time zones. Yeah. I think it's a 10 hour difference because you're on the West Ten? coast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which so, is not far from I grew up in Vancouver, so I know the the time zone difference. Aha, uh-huh. you've been living with yeah. that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I've got to tell you something. Since I read your book, um, I you know, I don't really shy away from things that are hard, typically. But mm-hmm. there's one thing that I despise, 
and that's being cold. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and because yeah. I've got I've got low body fat. I, I well, the story I have about why I despise being cold is that I have low body fat and that, you know, like I, I just wasn't, I'm not cut out for the cold. Like it's just not, yeah. you know, not my thing, especially cold water. It's not really cold air. I love snowboarding and skiing and, and winter sports. And so uh, after reading your book, I was like, you know, what am I just a, you know, I don't know, you know, the word pussy comes to mind. <laughs> sorry. I, sorry if that's no good for you. Or, yeah. Um, uh, like, come on, dude, just buck up like Sisu, find your Sisu. And so since that day of finishing your book, I have not taken a hot shower. Uh, it's oh, been, good for you. Good it's for been you. like That's six, a- seven weeks. Yeah. And now it helps. Well, it's helpful that it's really hot right now in California. Like it's been that yeah. we've had a, since, since that, the weekend of like Jan- uh, July 4th, it's been mm-hmm. like. 80s and 90s and humid and really hot. So it's been very helpful, actually, to yeah. like convince myself that, okay, I don't really have to convince myself. I, I want to take a cold shower. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but prior to that, I wouldn't have, even then, I would not have taken a cold shower. Like it would have been hot and maybe finished with, a, with cold. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been really, really cool. I, I don't know physiologically what is what it's done, if if anything. But yeah. it's it's more the mental toughness of being willing to step into a you know, it's not ice cold, but it feels ice cold sometimes. And yeah. being just willing to just step in, you know, and not uh not cave cave in to my I don't know, laziness or, you know, not, it's not lazy. I don't know what it is exactly. The discomfort, right? Yeah. Discomfort. Discomfort is like, it's something that you, you don't gravitate towards. And I will say that when I moved to Finland um, and actually, I mean, I, I, I've lived in many places, but I largely grew up in Vancouver, which has a very mild climate. And when I moved to Toronto, which has real winters, I really suffered from the cold. I wore like two winter coats for the first winter, you know, just to survive. And um, I was not a fan of the cold. But when I moved to Finland and, you know, I I saw all these examples of people who really embraced the cold, um, you know, by ice swimming, winter swimming, which is this practice of having icy dips, you know, when the weather is very cold, but also the water is about two to four degrees Celsius. Um, and like That's, cycling year round. How cold know, is that in in Fahrenheit? Is that like 38, 40 ish? Yeah, I should know that. And unfortunately I don't, um, I don't have the conversion right in front of me, but yeah, it's about that. Um, yeah. like it's just above zero in, um, in Celsius. Yep. So because obviously you can't swim in freezing <laughs> if it's frozen, you can't, uh, Yeah. Although you mean you don't you don't cut a hole in the ice and then go in? You don't do that? You do do, do that. Actually, yeah. Oh we do cut God. a hole in the ice, but what I mean is that there has to be water. Like it can't be frozen all the way down. It can't be zero degrees. Right. Um, right. But but what it, it was this revelation to me how good I felt when I tried ice swimming and got hooked on it. Huh. Um, cycling year round in, in the winter, even when it's like minus 10, minus 20. 
And you know, then I started looking into it, and there's there's actually research and evidence and a lot of background on what that does to the body physiologically and mentally. I mean, it sets off, you know, endorphins, the happy hormones, um, it reduces stress, it does a whole bunch of positive things. And I'm speaking now of the ice swimming of the immersion in cold water for like 30 seconds or a minute. And, you know, some of those same effects you get with a cold shower. Um, you're forced to be in the in the moment, you know, so it's a kind of meditation too. you can't worry about what what's on your to do list. But it also yeah. completely per- perks up the body, you know, it, it gets you going it, it uh, can help with if you have muscle aches or pains, or you feel really tired or lethargic, or maybe you're feeling a bit down. It's, uh, it's like a little bit of uh, cold shock therapy. <laughs> it's so easy to collapse into uh, you know, I don't want to, or I like into the, 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 the idea that it's too cold. I'm not cut out for this. Um, this episode is brought to you today by the good kitchen. The good kitchen has been a sponsor of the whole life challenge now for about six months. They provide incredibly well-prepared, delicious, home-cooked whole life challenge compliant, uh, paleo organic, sustainably sourced meals, pre-made meals right to your doorstep. They do it through FedEx. It comes in a sealed container, containers that you can open up once a day. You can get your meals delivered, your, your lunch is delivered, your breakfast delivered, your dinner is delivered. I use them for lunch. They're incredibly easy. They make, they eliminate any need for decision-making for my lunches. I just go downstairs, open up the lid, um, a lot of the times I just eat it cold right out of the container and uh, I, I love it. It's fantastic. So uh, do yourself a favor and give it a try. You get 15% off your first order. You use the link thegoodkitchen.com forward slash WLC. Thegoodkitchen.com forward slash WLC. Check it out. You'll be happy you did. I just pulled up a new article on the Whole Life Challenge blog. It's entitled five ways to know if a digital trainer is right for you. And it's by Megan Maroney. And Megan was a guest of mine on the podcast. Uh, let's see. She was a guest of mine uh, three or four weeks ago. She is the host of Twit TV. She's been a tech reporter journalist for like 20 years. She works with Leo Laporte and uh, who's known as the tech guy. And um She's just a wealth of info. She's a mom. She does the whole life challenge. It's really cool stuff. So I can't wait to read it. There she is. All right. Let's see if that's better. I was, I was just kind of talking to myself to kill, to, to, you know, cause I, if anybody's watching on YouTube, I want, you know, they, they need something to look at. So they were watching yeah, me exactly. talking. <laughs> it sounds better now. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Cause in, when we were getting ready for the podcast, that wasn't happening at all. And all of a sudden, yeah. It did. So, yeah, it, it probably was just some weird uh, interference or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, this okay. sounds great. Way, 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 way better. So, okay. Let's Perfect. roll again. Um, so, we were talking about cold and, my, and the willingness that I have. I, w- I was one of the things I was saying while you were gone is that it's been really interesting the whole story that I co- had concocted around how I, I, I shouldn't get in the cold shower. My feet would stay yeah. cold. My hands would stay cold. Because my t- feet typically get cold. When I, when I sleep, I, I sleep with socks on, and even, in the, okay. even, in, even in the summertime, because my feet get cold. 
My feet are cold right now. I'm, I'm barefoot and my feet are cold and it's hot. It's pretty hot out. It's like 75 yeah. Fahrenheit. And uh, so whenever I would go to get in the shower, I would concoct this story around, you know, like don't use cold water because it'll just make you colder and, and uh, you'll never recover or you'll have to spend, you know, 20 minutes in front of a heater to, to warm back up. And that just hasn't been true. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is something too that um, it actually helps build up your cold resistance when you have cold showers or you practice ice swimming or you know you build up your resistance. Um, let's say that you're biking in really cold weather. Um, of course, the first couple of minutes it feels very cold, but you know you're exercising and you're getting you know the blood is flowing and the endorphins and all these things. Um, and then the same thing a lot of people say about ice swimming or winter swimming or even cold water swimming, as it's called in many parts of the world, is it, it helps build up their resistance to the cold so they don't feel and suffer from the cold as much, yeah. um, along with a whole bunch of other health benefits. Yeah. The, you know, the, I think it probably helps, although maybe not, uh, that you actually live in a climate where you don't have a choice. If you want to ride a bike in the wintertime in Finland, you, 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 what are you going to do? You could ride an indoor bike, I guess. You could ride an indoor bike, but I guess one of the, the big, big um, things that I discovered when I moved to Finland was this constant connection to nature that people have. Um, you know, and how much that really helped lower my stress levels. And if I was feeling like anxious or tired, um, you know, and something as simple as, okay, if I'm cycling to work, I'm going to cycle through a park, a wooded area or along the waterfront instead of on a busy street. Mm -hmm. And once I got hooked on cycling, you know, I turned it into something year round and it actually was quite easy. You know, you get studded tires for your bike so that you can handle the snow and the slush and the sleet and the ice. And as long as you're, you're well-dressed for whatever the temperature is, um, it's actually really quite easy to do. It's not difficult, um, you know, and like any kind of exercise, after the first couple of minutes, you know, your heart starts pumping and, and uh, you know, you wake up and you warm up and it, it, you're not suffering from the cold. You're actually kind of enjoying it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember um, I did. I was a Marine and uh, we did some winter training up in Bridgeport, California, which is near yeah. Lake Tahoe in the Sierras. Yeah. And uh, we I remember one of the last things we did was we, we had learned how to cross country ski. It was my first experience cross country skiing. And yeah. we had a 5K at the end, like the whole battalion. We had there were 250 of us and the whole group had this 5K race. And yeah. I remember uh, showing up to the start line with my fatigues on. So we wear white fatigues when you're in the snow. And we had, so yeah. we had white fatigues on. And I was wearing a, a gr my undershirt, my green T-shirt. And that's all I was wearing. And it was freezing. It was like 35 degrees, windy. You know, the Marines around me looked like, like they looked at me like I was a complete fruitcake. And I'm like, no, yeah. I, I know I'm going to get hot. Like this is, I'm going to suffer right now, but I know, yeah. you know, within two minutes, I am going to be thankful that I do not have what you got on. And sure yeah. enough, sure enough. I mean, they all overheated. They all, they all, they had to, you know, disrobe and then take their jacket and tie it around their waist. And, you know, it was just, um, but the, I think the key thing is really being willing to start. Cause that's the hardest part. Like, right. That's when you walk out of your house and it's 
cold out and cold is relative you know in california we i'm cold sometimes at when it's 55 degrees or 60 degrees and you get the maybe i'm that's my uh i'm attuned to that those temperatures yeah but um yeah it's 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 a weird thing you know but but like being willing to just begin like these cold showers yeah yeah well, I think I think it's also yeah, it's that starting, and that's kind of the Cecil, you know, tapping into this fortitude, this this like okay, I I'm not going to use it as an excuse, but you know the fact that it's really cold out, uh, but also I, for me it was the discovery of something that seems crazy, going swimming in like freezing cold water, yeah, actually makes you feel amazing and makes you feel really good and gets rid of you know tiredness body aches a whole bunch of things you know you solve all these problems really quite quickly you know because 30 30 seconds to a minute is not it's not a huge time investment and so you you start to look forward to the start of the season the winter swimming season right. you know and because you know it's going to feel good and you know that it's maybe there's a little bit of no pain no gain kind of attitude but it's also um, okay, so the first 30 seconds are going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And, you know, of course, as I walk out onto the dock wearing my bathing suit and my, my hat and, you know, it's minus five or minus 10, you know, that's already pretty chilly. But um, I guess it's that thing of you're tapping into your own kind of badassness. Like, I can do this. I'm tough. Yeah. But also when you get hooked on it, it just feels so good that it's a really minor inconvenience, you know, to be cold for that minute or two to, as you walk to the water. And then the amazing thing is, of course, once you've done your cold water immersion and you come out, you feel warm because everything, your whole body is alive and it's tingling and you're not standing on the dock freezing going, oh, you know, I need to get inside. And so experiences like that really changed my uh, relationship to cold weather and to this idea of like, oh, I love coffee, but actually I'm going to feel much better if, you know, on a cold winter day, I get out there and I go for a walk or a run or a swim or I cycle to work or whatever. Um, and it's, of course, if you live in a cold climate, uh, you know, it's something that you, you're better off embracing because if you try to avoid the cold, you know, that's a pretty long process, you know, six months of cold winter. Yeah. Does everybody do this in Finland? I mean, is this just a culture that where people are tough, or tough, and they they have to deal with the cold, and they 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 ice swim, and they cycle in the wintertime, and they have studs on their bike tires, and they just all do this? No, not everybody does it. I mean, winter swimming is very popular, um, but there are, of course, people. We have a place in our neighborhood, and there's people who, you know, when they're out walking their dogs sort of shake their heads at us like what are you guys doing you know it's snowing and you guys are standing in bathing suits and voluntarily going for a dip in the baltic um so no it's not like everybody is doing it but it is very very popular and i think right now there's a bit of a uh resurgence going on or a or it's growing in popularity in that a lot of the clubs have waiting lists, you know, to join. And there's a lot of places where you can try it out to see if you like it. And I'm, I've been surprised public pools and things like that, that there's sometimes there's a lineup for people waiting for the cold pool because they want to try it out because they've heard about, you know, the benefits of cold water therapy. Right. Right. 
Well, it, uh, you know, Wim Hof has made a lot of um, uh, inroads in, in, you know, bringing the idea of cold and sisu and toughness and breathing techniques to the world. And it, now is he, I can't remember, is he Finnish? No, I believe I could be, I, I have a feeling he's Dutch, but I'm not 100% sure. I yeah. Think you might, I think I get that whole he's part of the world very, um, yeah. you know, like very confused. I have a, fr- I have a really good friend who's Danish and you know, don't, he's like, don't call me Dutch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've had to, I've yeah. learned the hard way. Like that's different. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Wim Hof, just his name sounds. I have a recollection. Dutch is what I would, if I was on a game show and I had to guess, <laughs> that's it. what I would say, but I could be, I could be wrong. Yeah. But yeah, he's known as the ice man and yeah. he's taken the whole, whole cold, um, the benefits of cold and everything to a completely different level. I mean, I'm compared to him. I'm, I'm just a regular person who right. does what a lot of people in this city do. Yeah. A lot of people do what? Do what he does? Uh, no, a lot of people do what I do, which right. is, you know, practice right. winter swimming and cycle year round. And, um, you know, if it's minus 10 um, and there's a gorgeous, sunny, snowy day, you'll just see the shoreline full of people going out for walks and people embrace the cold, you know, uh, yeah. skiing, all kinds of activities. So it's not something um, that they shy away from, but it's like part of the lifestyle and part of being connected to nature as well, because there's so many opportunities for that in Helsinki, the capital where I live. Um, you know, there's the shoreline is dotted with islands. We're surrounded by water and there's a lot of forests and places. So you can very easily access um, nature um, year round. And for example, in a lot of the forests, um, they light the trails at night. And in the wintertime, of course, very dark here because we're so far north, we have endless sunlight in the summer and then not endless darkness, but we have very little light when we, you know, approach Christmas. Like what, what, um, what, when you say very little, what time does the sun rise and what time is it set? Um, well, in the, in the, the, in the winter time. Of darkness, yeah. In the heart of darkness, um, in the winter time, there's probably about five hours of daylight. Wow. Um, yeah. And then the opposite in the summertime, um, if you go really far north up to Lapland, the sun doesn't set at all at midsummer. So it's 24 hours of sunlight. Wow. Yeah, I think yeah. that's similar to Alaska here. Um, they have that yeah. that thing. Um, yeah, hey, Katya, this the the sound is really driving me berserk. Oh, that's terrible that it so, happened yeah, to happen weird. now. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll we'll move on. No big. We'll deal. move on. Yeah. It's an example of Sisu is when stuff doesn't go the way that you plan it to, then you uh, you just figure out a way to Sisu it up and and tap into a little bit of fortitude and just figure out a different way. I love that. I love that. So we're, we are actually practicing Sisu right now in the, in we the are. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. In, I, there was a, there was a famous line from a movie uh, that Clint Eastwood was in. He played a character called Gunny Highway. Uh, he was a Marine and uh, he, he used to say improvise, adapt and overcome. And that yeah. was a, that was a famous line from, I think it was called Heartbreak Ridge was the movie. So yeah, um, yeah it sounds very Sisu. 
Um, yeah, I like that too. And that's, that's kind of what you've got to do, uh, I think, in all areas of your life, but especially when it comes to, you know, well-being, if you want to have sort of simple and sensible ways of, of staying healthy, um, that I think that's a really good motto, you know, in, yeah. In, instead of, yeah, you just adapt and you keep going and you figure out ways to do things. Yeah, because if you let yourself get stopped, uh, regularly by the by the obstacles in the way and I, and maybe this is one of the the mental toughness things that that gets trained by being willing to do these things if you if you're in the habit of letting yourself get stopped you you never you, you never make progress in the areas that are actually hard in your life i mean it, uh, does that does that make sense it does totally make sense and i think that's what i kind of learned about sisu um in that, you know, the, the, the historical examples are, you know, of like great feats during the war, you know, uh, during the Winter War, the way that the, the Finns held off the then Soviets, um, mm-hmm. you know, r- rather than being invaded. And, you know, these great feats of um, uh, sportsmanship, uh, or I should say sportspersonship, but <laughs> it's a male example. There was this runner, Lasse Viren, who in 19, at the 1972 Munich Olympics, um, it was the 10,000 meter run, and he, he fell down during the run. And not only did he get up and continue running, he won the race and set a new world record. Wow. And this is yeah, and this is like the, you know, these are the historical Finnish Sisu examples of, you know, real extreme stuff. But I, I think I, I kind of see it as a daily Sisu, which is that, you know, you wake up in the morning and maybe you're feeling tired, you haven't slept properly, you're stressed, whatever. And it's like you Sisu it up and it's like, okay, I'm going to go for my my little jog or my walk or my swim or, you know, I'm going to do the things that are going to help me feel better and make me stronger. Uh, I'm going to have that difficult conversation with my spouse or tackle that project I've been putting off. Um, so yeah, it's exactly that. It's like embracing, embracing the difficult stuff. And oftentimes I've noticed when I do that, um, it actually leads to a much better outcome. And it doesn't mean I'm going to run a marathon, but um, I can slowly and gradually push myself to do things that are a little bit outside my comfort zone and a, a little bit outside of my lazy zone. You know, the, the lazy yeah. one who wants to pull the covers, you know, over her head or put off a certain project or whatever it is. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think the thing, one of the things I'm, I'm hearing in this conversation is that the level of difficulty, it's not about being extreme. It's about finding that edge for you. And for one person, it might be having a hard conversation with your spouse. For another person, it might be taking a warm shower as opposed to a hot shower. You know, like yeah. it doesn't have yeah. to be extreme. Jump in the jump in the freaking Arctic. The, the first time you try this, you're not yeah. fail. You're not failing if you don't take it to the extreme and take ice baths every night. You know, like you can find the line for you and move in the direction of just tackling the things that are hard. And I think that's exactly what it is. And then the the backdrop to this is, of course, I I grew up in North America and came of age at a time where, um, of course, I spent time in nature and I exercised and I did things, but uh, a lot of things were, were, you know, in a culture of convenience, you know, you drive 
by car, to the gym. Um, you do a lot of things that in the most convenient way possible. And um, it seemed to me when I moved to Finland, that when I looked back at my life in North America, a lot of things that had to do with well-being, with diet, with exercise were, were very complicated. They were often expensive. Uh, they were hard to follow because there was always a new diet and it was very restrictive and you couldn't eat this and you couldn't eat that. And part of how I interpret Sisu is it's, it's this you know simple and sensible approach to well-being. It's like, okay, I have a really busy day. How about if I ride my bike to work and I'm going to get some incidental exercise and if I don't have time to do anything else, I've kind of connected a little bit with nature, I've cycled, I've gotten my, you know, heart rate up a little bit. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a three hour bike ride, it can be just a 20 minute bike ride. And a lot of these, these same principles, um, you know, people here, for example, are really very into foraging. Uh, for berries and mushrooms in the forest and, and this kind of DIY sisu where you do things on your own instead of, you know, the convenient way, like going to the grocery store and buying them. Hey guys, a quick reminder that this podcast lives and breathes based on your willingness to recommend it to other people. If you heard something in this episode that you think a friend of yours would really like to hear about, please send them a link to the show. Snap a picture of you listening to it on your iPhone, put it up on Instagram, or share about it in Twitter or in Facebook. If you're feeling really great and want to leave a review, you can go to bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash breaking ordinary, and you can write a review of the show. I would love it. And that's another way that people find out about what we're up to. The other thing that that does is it helps me to get more impactful guests, people in the people in the world who are really making a difference. Not that my guests aren't today, but I want to keep doing this. And the only way I can justify doing it is if the audience grows. So please help me help you leave a review, send an email to a friend, let them know about the podcast. And now let's get back to the show. Or making your life comp more complicated, like in my opinion, driving your car to a gym to sit on a stationary bicycle and watch <laughs> television, you know, yeah, yeah. is is it's time consuming, it's costly. Um, you're also not outdoors, so your connection to nature, you know, to the air, the earth, the the whatever is lacking. Um, so to the way that I interpret Sisu is it's this this beyond these these big huge historical examples it's really about you know what works in your life would it would it be easy um maybe you don't you're not interested in a marathon or a triathlon or, or anything but maybe you know a couple times a week you go for a walk uh right. in a park or you do something that gives you a little bit of exercise a little bit of downtime you know you turn off all your devices um and this not taking the easy way out. I mean, so many people that I know here, they own cars, but they don't drive to work. They bike to work. Right, right. You know, it's a choice. And um, so so this is really, yeah, it's about pushing yourself, but pushing yourself in a way that works for you because we all have different um, different things that work for us. You know, I, I personally, I don't have any aspirations to be, uh, like a super athlete, uh -huh. but I would like to be strong and healthy and in shape. And I realized I could do that 
without having to go on an extreme program or, you know, hire a personal trainer or do those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, as you're, as you're talking, I, I remembered a time I bought an electric bike, uh, about four or five years ago and I was riding it and I, I just made a commitment to not driving my car to, and at the time I was, I was running a gym uh, across at Los Angeles and, um, yeah. uh, I would just made a commitment. So even if I was opening the gym at six o'clock in the morning, I'd have to get on my bike at five fifteen, and, and it would take me 20 minutes. And I, it was, it was easy because I had the commitment to all or nothing. Like I didn't have the, I didn't even yeah. give myself the option of getting in my car and, and as soon as I entered into the world of, wow, well, I guess you could take your car. About, about two years later, I stopped riding my bike completely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not on purpose, just because yeah. I started giving myself that option. It was a weird, it's weird. And it's, and it's something that I think um, it's very interesting because I, I sometimes, I mean, I work as a freelance journalist and a writer. I do a bunch of different things. And sometimes I have um, early morning news shifts that start at 7 a.m., which means that I have to get up quite early. Yep. And I just so quickly realized that um, I felt so much better if I made that effort uh, to, you know, have it all together so that I could bike to work rather than, you know, taking public transit or driving or something. Uh, I don't actually own a car, but, um, you know, in terms of other forms of transport that like it was such a good investment, it was so worth it. And I felt so much better. You know, I was awake by the time I got to the newsroom. Yep. Um, and I've heard this from so many people, you know, some of whom I interviewed in the book as well Is you, you get hooked on it. And the days you don't cycle, you feel like a little less energetic. You feel yep. like something's missing. You know, your body hasn't quite woken up. And so I think that was the other goal with this book was, you know, there's all these simple and sensible ways. And when you turn it into a habit, uh, sometimes it can be a really lovely habit, like your example of, you know, cycling to the gym. Um, you probably felt really good when you got to the gym. Yeah, you felt know, great. A, yeah, A, not just because of the exercise, but B, because you had, you had overcome yourself. Right. You know, like, oh, I'll just hop in my car or, oh, I, I'm just, I can't be bothered today or I feel tired or whatever. You know, it's like this feeling of personal accomplishment. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's, there's always, there's also something very interesting that occurred for me and it still does. Like I'm, I, I, I just thought of something else that I've been doing over the past month is I've been getting up every morning at five o'clock in the morning and setting my alarm to get up at 5 a.m. Yeah. Because, because I want to have an, at least an hour of complete quiet time in the house when nobody else is up and there are no distractions that, you know, like life gets spun up and, you know, I, I, I like, I like that time. But if I don't, you know, I just made a commitment. Okay. I'm getting up and yeah. it's been fairly easy to do that. Like, because I do it every day, I don't give myself an option. I set an alarm, a watch alarm on my, um, Garmin so that I don't wake up my wife. And, yeah. uh, it, it's surprisingly easy, but it's, I think it's easy because I'm consistent and I'm not giving myself an option. I, I agree with the, the sort of consistency, um, you know, not giving yourself an option. And there's actually been lots of fabulous books about this. Like I think Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit, the power, yes. you know, 
if, if your habit is that you eat a bag of potato chips and watch TV every night, you know, it's, it's hard to break that because it's become a habit. And the same thing, like you're setting your alarm for 5 a.m., you know, once you get into the habit of it and you reap the rewards, you, you probably look forward to it. And it's like this, this wonderful hour of getting yourself ready for the day or doing whatever it is that you do. Um, but having that break from everything else yeah. that probably makes you stronger for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's like, it's like really connecting your feet to the ground for me and uh, yeah. giving myself a, 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 a jumping off point. But I was, the other thing that came up for me when I was thinking about riding my bike to the gym is there was a weird, and I don't know if this is weird or not, maybe it's normal, but I felt like I had a, an edge over everyone else. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I felt like, ah, oh, look, look at me. I, I did something that nobody else is doing. That's a big thing for me. I, you know, like I taught myself to unicycle this year and you know, nobody, not nobody that I know that's over 50 years old learns to unicycle. Uh, you know, it's hard as hell. It took me like four months and, yeah, yeah. um, but there's something that I love about feeling like I'm doing something that nobody else will do and will even consider doing. Like I just, uh, so I like, it, it feel like, I feel like I have a little bit of an edge. You know, I think edge is a really good word. I think the other, the other part of it is that, um, overcoming yourself, you know, yeah, overcoming yeah. whatever, like, Oh, people over a certain age don't do this or no one else is doing this. Um, I did it. Um, I think that's one part of it, like with the unicycle. But I think the other, the other thing that I noticed early on um, when I moved here was I could really quickly tell who had walked or biked to the newsroom or the, the editorial because uh, I work in several different places. But I could they have a completely different energy and almost an optimism because they've, hmm. they've sort of gotten their machinery, as it were, the human body going and they've reaped all the benefits of you know some fresh air and 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 getting all those you know the happy hormones going and uh you know their brain is on i mean there's a lot of evidence of course about how how movement um you know and it doesn't have to be hardcore but how movement um you know starts starts everything firing you know in the brain and your thoughts and your you know your some of the best ideas come when you're cycling or walking or running or doing something physical. Uh, and I could imagine the unicycle has also a meditative quality because you, you have to worry about your balance. Yes, you do. Be in a certain kind of zone and you yeah. have to believe in yourself. Right. Yeah. Did, um, what were some of the things that, affected you maybe who are some of the people that affected you in your journey to figuring this out yourself because you you talk a lot about that in the book and your your own journey into this sisu meant mindset mindset were, were there people particularly particular people that had a, an influence over your that path yes there were um i I, some of them were, yes, people that I interviewed in the book. Uh, I just noticed that there were a lot of uh, women that I met um, and men too, but um, 
women in my neighborhood who belonged to this winter swimming club uh, that I just had the opportunity as a journalist. I was like, oh, I just have to try this thing. You know, this is crazy. Like uh -huh. go and jump in ice cold water. But through them, I, I sort of observed their lifestyles, you know, and these are women who are juggling, you know, family, work, a uh, whole bunch of things. And they just had this very organic approach to life, you know, they're very active, um, you know, in addition to the cycling and the swimming, you know, skiing and doing yoga and always out in the woods and doing all these sorts of things. And that really made uh, an impression on me because they seem to be a little bit more grounded and a, a lot less concerned with uh, a lot of the issues that I, I really noticed growing up in North America, you know, this endless quest for the perfect body, the perfect weight, mm -hmm. the perfect diet, the, um, you know, do you have the right car, the status symbol, you know, all of these kinds of things. So these women were really inspiring to me. And if there were some men as well, but I, I point to the women because it was two women who took me to the, the winter swimming club and then a whole kind of world opened up hmm. through them. But I also just in general observed the, the, the really Finns spend a lot of time in nature. It's like the statistic is staggering. It's like something like 96% have spend one or two um, times a week in the woods or, wow. uh, you know, near the water or, or something like that. And this, this, this connection to nature and um, even when you live in a big city um, away from sort of this consumerism and this this uh, virtual lifestyle and and uh, so those were very inspiring um, but I also noticed that a lot of people had this you know that they're not going to quit it's like if you say you're going to do something you do it right. um, yeah, and so that inspired me. And then, of course, when I started uh, working on the book, I interviewed a woman who is a um, PhD. She's studying CISO, Emilia Lahti. She's quite well known, actually, um, internationally. And so, you know, I started interviewing people to find out more about CISO. And these people really, really inspired me as well because their stories often were about overcoming great adversity. Um, mm -hmm. Amelia Lahti is a survivor of domestic abuse, mm -hmm. and she's turned that into a um, campaign called Sisu Not Silence, which is all about um, doing things to to you know raise awareness about mm -hmm. these issues. And she just ran fifty marathons in fifty days across New Zealand. Um, wow as part of this campaign yeah and so there were a lot of people who who i noticed embodied this idea of sisu and whether they were just regular folks that i came across um or experts that i interviewed on you know everything from the nordic diet from like sensible eating um to incidental exercise which is you know raking leaves cleaning house doing all these kinds of things that's exercise. Right. Um, you know, you don't have to make it complicated. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So this 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 kind of sisuing it up and, and just doing things that are not that difficult, but they require a little bit of oomph, you mm -hmm. know, um, because the 
at least from my North American perspective, you know, the first instinct is to hire somebody to clean your house. Yeah. Um, you outsource a lot of things that are actually good for us because we need movement. We need um, we, our bodies were not designed to go from one air conditioned space to another air conditioned space uh, and be online all the time. Yep. Yeah. And, and yet it's we're almost wired to think that we should do that. Like it, it's a weird thing because you, you, you can easily convince yourself that, you know, how do I really want to be spending my an, an hour? Do I want to clean my house? I could just hire somebody. My, my time is yeah. worth, if I'm a lawyer, my time is worth $450 an hour, $600 an hour. Why should I spend that hour cleaning the house? I could hire somebody that will charge me a hundred bucks an hour or 80 bucks an hour. And I'm, I'm actually making money on that time. And so when you, it's almost like we're, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like we're programmed to, to think that that work is not meaningful or that we'd, I'd rather be playing a video game right now, you know, than outside raking leaves. For sure. And I think these are personal choices. Um, you know, that, that like, your example, working as a lawyer, you know, you do the math and it makes sense to have someone clean your house and, and maybe you don't like house cleaning and, you know, um, and I, I guess I just, this kind of DIY Cecil really fascinated me because I met so many people who could easily afford to have somebody clean their house, yep. but they, they were like, no, this is, this is a certain form of Cecil too. It's like, I'm going to do something that is, it's not my favorite thing, but I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to do it. And then you know, I'm going to get a little workout and then I'm going to feel like I've accomplished something. Yeah. Um, and that intrigued me. And then there was a fellow who I interviewed, who is a professor emeritus, um, who has studied incidental exercise all his life. Um, you know, and the benefits of everything from, you know, just simple walking, you know. Um, and he said something very interesting, which was Finland is the country of cottages. Every, just about everybody has a summer cottage. There's about, there's 5.5 million people in Finland. And the estimates are that, that um, there's several million cottages. Um, you know, not everybody owns one, but they, you know, they'll go and rent them or they'll stay with a friend or, or whatever. And he said something really fascinating, which was, you know, just look how few services there are for cottage upkeep. Like it's something people enjoy doing mm. on their own. They mm. want to like renovate, they want to fix, they want to clean. Uh, there really isn't a huge industry uh, yet of services to take care of all that. And part of that is, you know, you're in nature and you, you know, you have your little cottage and you take care of it. And it's again, Take, not taking the easy way out when you could, you could outsource it all. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting. That's a really interesting thing. You know, I wanted to ask you how important is community or, uh, with Sisu? Like it, it feels to me like very important, but I wanted to get your take on that. Yeah. And this is interesting too, because of course the downside of Sisu is if you push yourself too hard, you know, that's not a good thing. I mean, it can lead to burnout and, you know, trying to do everything by yourself. And that's, that's not a good thing. Um, the way that I see Cecil is that I re I see a real sense of community around it um, because it's about often, I mean, in the school system, you know, the Finnish school system is lauded around the world. Um, you know, and part of it is 
there's this idea of Cecil that you don't give up. You know, if you start something, you finish it uh, and you work together, you help each other. Um, so if there's a problem, whether it's in school or at work or wherever, um, I find there's a strong sense of community. And I think one of the best ways to illustrate it was when I first moved here, I found it really, really interesting. I, I worked for a large magazine publisher at the time for several years. And um, very early on, I noticed that if there was a big project that was successful, there was never, it was always like, oh, this was a team effort and everybody thanked everybody. There was never like this this was this one person's idea and they did it and they're going to get a, an award. And there was often this emphasis on community. And, you know, it's the same thing with, for example, sauna. Um, and there are places where there are saunas, public saunas in Helsinki that are just maintained by the public. Like there's nobody who owns it or runs it. Uh, it's based on trust and this wow. idea that, yeah, um, that people bring wood and water and, you know, keep the place clean and, and follow the rules. And Is it um, a wood-fired sauna? Yeah, yeah. Wow, um, that's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's But it's also, um, there's a lot of shared economy things like toy boxes in, in playgrounds where the toys are for all the kids to share. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't all need to own your own every every single you know piece of equipment or yeah. truck or whatever um and that and even if, for example you take this the sauna that's a, a very community activity you know people sit in the sauna some in silence but a lot of people talk um especially if it's a, a group of people like if it's a club and they know each other you know it's it's like the old campfire you know people talk about their day and what's going on and current affairs and books they've read and you know maybe they're having a problem at home that they want to talk about so i found a very big sense of community contrary to this the cliche of the solitary Finn who is very quiet and doesn't mm -hmm. talk to other people and um and a general sense of you know just the simple things like you don't you don't litter like you you worry about how things are going to affect other people so it's sort of more about the we than the me mm -hmm. um and that i found uh, a contrast as well to to um, experiences I had had in other parts of the world. Well, it's really interesting. You know, uh, w when you were describing those public uh, shared places, I started thinking about when I was in college, how my freshman year we had in my fraternity house, we had a, a, a TV down in the living room and a TV and a Betamax VCR, which <laughs> the date, dates me for sure. Um, yeah. And we, we you, there would be any given day you'd walk into the house in the afternoon or in the early evening, and there'd be a movie on, and there'd be five, six, seven, ten, depending on the movie, brothers watching watching something, brothers or girlfriends yep. or whatever. And as we got further along in technology, and the Apple Mac, the Mac came out, and um, people started getting their own televisions. By my senior year, we had the same 
you know, probably nicer version of the television in the living room, but you'd walk in the house and the house would feel like a ghost town because everybody was, had their own television in their own room, watching their own shows, whatever they wanted to watch or movies or whatever, or, you know, doing something else. And, uh, I, and I'm watching it now with my son who's 11 and with iPhones and iPads, it, we're losing a lot of that community culture that is so valuable because of this individualized, this ability to program anything you want, anytime you want on your own little individual device. I mean, you get five kids in a car and they're all watching their own thing on their iPhones. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, and I have to say that I'm sometimes guilty of um, right now my son is on his iPad so that I can do this interview. <laughs> right, um, right, right. <laughs> but I completely agree with you that, that, that yeah, that, it's also that solitary, that sort of isolation of everybody doing their own thing rather than doing things together as a community. And I, I think there are, that happens here as well. And I think around the world, is happening because people have their own devices, um, you know, just the way that technology has changed. Yep. Um, but I, I guess I just saw so many positive examples of, you know, for example, the playground and the shared toys. Uh, of course, we live in the center of the city in an apartment building, um, you know, so the, the, the parks are a good place to take the kids. Uh, but I notice when I visit certain parts of North America, um, there's like no kids out in the parks or yeah. in the, even in the yards, you know, and people have really nice yards with, you know, trampolines and all kinds of things for kids. And, uh, and it, it, it often surprises me because I think, well, where are all the people? Because I know that they're, you know, they're nice houses and that, that I know that there's people who live there. Um, and that kind of community, I noticed so much, so much more here, uh, partly because of the way people live uh, you know, it's, it's, let's say you live in an apartment, so you're going to take your child to the park, uh, which is a couple blocks away, and then you'll see other families with their kids and, you know, it's community. Um, but also a real focus on, I guess, accessibility for, you know, whether they're public swimming pools or art galleries or events where people do things together. And the idea is that there should be access for everyone, that it's not limited to, uh, you know, how much money you have or who you know or status. And one good example here is education is virtually free. And, the you know, the idea is that everybody has a chance. And, you know, if my son is talented, he can go to the top music school because he's talented, not because, you know, his parents have connections or money or, um, you know, other things. And so my concept of community is 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 also broader than just you know the idea of people for example in a playground or in a shared in a public pool or or you know that kind of an activity it also goes beyond um you know kind of an all-inclusiveness and a kind of equality to give everybody a chance at the same the same kinds of things you know whether it's education or health care or you know the simple thing of um, nature and exercise we have this thing here that is called every man's or every person's right uh, that exists in a lot of other countries as well but essentially it means that nobody owns uh, nature uh, so 
you are allowed to go just about anywhere um, beyond public parks um, as long as you don't harm other people's property. Like let's say somebody has a big, uh, a big area, like a cottage or something. Um, you know, you're allowed to walk along the shoreline um, if you respect their land and their their property. You know, you don't do any damage or anything like that. But this idea of access and equality and everything belonging to everybody on yeah. some level, which I'm I'm exaggerating because of course people do have a lot of private property and there are places you can't go. Yeah. But when I think of, for example, the shoreline of Helsinki, I can swim just about anywhere. And I think in many cities, you know, either the shoreline has been built up or somebody owns the waterfront access because it's expensive uh, and it's not accessible to everybody. Uh, so those kinds of forms of community, um, I find really remarkable and really, really different uh, from many places. Yeah, you know, it's this interesting mix, I think, of socialism and capitalism. Um, you know, I, I, I think a, ca a capitalist world taken to the extreme um, misses out on these shared things, you know. Um, and yet, if you take socialism out to the extreme, I, and I'm not an expert in in either one of these areas, but it just occurs to me that way as we're talking, there are huge benefits to having these shared experiences and, and sharing things and making the land and the use and, uh, you know, your, your son's ability to go to any school that he wants, regardless of the income of the parents, you know, it's a beautiful thing. But, I, you know, I also am a big believer in the work, work ethic. And, you know, if, if, you know, you find out that as you make more money, more of your money disappears to the to the public property uh, fund, you know, that that is that doesn't really encourage individual, you know, let's let's do this. Let's get it done. So it's an interesting combination, I think. Yeah. And I think that it's changing. I mean, I think um, the Nordic countries Yes, there is a level of socialism, um, but I think they're also changing in many levels. Um, yes, there are higher taxes to support a lot of these these things, you know, like education and, and uh, health care and, you know, things that are accessible to everyone. Um, but I think at the same time, you know, some of these things are also under threat uh, because there is there is also capitalism in the Nordic countries and, um, you know, the idea that, that people can make it through hard work, um, you know, and, and come up with their own initiatives. Um, and I think the system is changing enough. Well, again, I'm not an expert enough to comment on, on this with an expert opinion, but um, there are a lot of new checks in place uh, to try to encourage people or to even force them, you know, that you, you, you can't just get a free ride, Yeah. you know, uh, so it's not, it's not like you move to the Nordics and, and you can just don't need to worry about anything and you can, you can collect unemployment. And, yeah. Right. You know, Cause you want, cause like, you want contributing members of society, you know, it's like, well, exactly. like why in the U S welfare doesn't really work. It, 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 yeah. it, you know, it just gives, it sets people up to be victims of life, you know, and they get a free check and they get their food stamps and, you know, um, 
and I, and I get that some people need that, uh, you know, to get them back on their feet, but they need to get back on their feet. Definitely. And I, and I guess the thing I think in the Nordic countries and one of the reasons they rank so highly on a lot of these, um, you know, these wellness quality of life rankings is, is because there is still a, a, a kind of safety net there. Like you will be taken care of, um, you know, if you become really ill, it's mm -hmm. not going to bankrupt you, you right. know, uh, or kill you because you don't have a hundred thousand dollars for the specific procedure that's needed or the care or the aftercare. Um, and, you know, and the same thing with education, um, you know, the idea that it's, it's, it's like a right, a universal right. Um, so I, I think that the, the Nordic countries are changing, um, but I think they, there is a fairly good balance of having uh, access right. to a lot right. That's of people. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And without getting into a political conversation about the whole <laughs> yeah. medical in the U.S. and other things, um, I think there actually are a lot of liberties here. And if you do want to be an entrepreneur and, um, you know, make a lot of money, there's a ton of opportunities for that, too. I mean, there's a really dynamic startup community. Um here and all kinds of innovations and things happening um you know so it's it's not it's not black and white right right yeah. well i want let's change gears a little bit i wanted to ask you um you know it sounds like you've got all this figured out now i i know in many <laughs> in many ways you do but i'm curious what are some of the ways you don't what are some of the things you're still struggling with today that that um that have you challenged to either find your sisu or or that are that you're working on yeah that's a really good question it's funny because i don't think that i have it all figured out i think <laughs> in my book yeah i just i i looked at these these you know i don't like to use the word benchmarking but i just saw all these amazing examples and these these ideas that i thought were really worth sharing because they were so simple and sensible and so you know, let's just go back to the basics and, you know, let's look at ways that, you know, anybody can do these things. You know, there's not, they don't require a special program or a special uh, uh, membership or anything like that. But I think, um, I think, I mean, I still, I struggle. I, you know, there's days where I feel a bit down or I feel overwhelmed by, by stress or work or, you know, am I being a good enough mother? Am I like doing you know, all the things that I should be doing um, and like future projects and things like that. Oh, I should have already given my agent, you know, the next proposal and mm -hmm. those sorts of things. Um, but I guess that's where the sort of the CISO steps in, which is like, okay, stop, go for a walk, go for a dip, take a break, um, you know, just sit down with your son and read with him or just chat with him for a little while or just go outside and and play like we've had a really hot summer like we had a major heat wave yeah and yeah. the first day that it rained my son was like so excited he was like after school he's like mommy i want to go outside and play in the water you know and i just thought that was great like right you know it was this great example of embrace the elements and you know but um, I definitely have a lot of work to do on myself and on, you know, building up um, my my confidence and my, you know, like my work 
and I often maybe hold myself I'm maybe a little bit overly critical and I need to learn to just uh, be a little bit easier on myself yeah yeah and yeah so I definitely um, I struggle and I think that's part of the human condition is that we all do in different ways and if there's something you can do i mean that's why i wrote this book is if there's something you can do to help other people then i think that that is that's really important i for for example i get on instagram every day i get like little fan instagram mails people have taken a picture of the book and there's a few lines about something that inspired them in the book and so that's something where i think okay this is good. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people. But um, yeah, I, I'm still a work in progress. <laughs> I, I just as you were talking, I was just looking for you on Instagram so I can connect with you because I haven't done that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it Katja? Is it just your name? Katja Panzar? It's my name. It's just my name. And then I, I um, and I just actually on the advice of my American publisher, Penguin Random House joined a few months ago. Um, and she, you know, should have already done it ages ago. Yep. And, um, just, you know, they said, Oh, just post, post images of, of things that deal and relate to the book, you know? So whether it's right. like the Nordic diet or swimming or cycling or whatever. And I totally fell in love with Instagram because it's such a great way to tell stories. It is. You know, you yeah, tell it is. Little, yeah. And then an image and, um, yeah. And I just suddenly have like. I get new followers every day and I you just, just got it. You just got a new one. I'm, I'm a new, yeah, your new follower. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it's also this wonderful tool. You know, you get these supportive messages from people who have read your book and you just yeah. think, Oh, that's so touching. Like somebody, you know, took the time to reach out and write a little message and take a picture of the book or tell me something in the book that, that they, felt was really useful yep. and that I like because I find Instagram quite positive compared to where Twitter can be, you know, quite nasty. Yes. And then Facebook, I sort of feel like is, is, I don't know what's going on there, but I'm, I'm definitely an Instagram fan now. <laughs> I mean, that's my, my, uh, my thing. Yeah. That's yeah, great. It that's cool. Me happy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I feel the same way about Instagram. I really like and enjoy the interaction there and the photo, the photo, the telling a story through photos and, uh, it's not so serious, you know, Facebook is yeah. Facebook can get very serious. So can Twitter and, uh, Instagram is not as serious. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like about uh, what I think I already said, but the positiveness yeah, of it, yeah compared to a lot of the other social media and um and it's such a great way to share your world you know people are curious well what does finland look like what does helsinki right. look like what you know what's going on in your part of the world uh what's a good piece of advice you know like oh eat berries they're full it's a superfood yeah. <laughs> you know they're full of vitamins or w whatever it may be so i feel like the um possibilities there are endless really and it's a very nice format for sort of continuing the story. Um, I want to ask you a, a logistical question because I know we're yeah. running we're running near the end. Yeah. It's funny because I I'm not I try to keep times on these things, but because we had the technical problems, I'm realizing yeah. I have no idea how long we've been going. 
Yeah, I mean, my, me my, me neither. My, my audio has been going for an hour and 16 minutes, but I don't know how long those those breaks are that I'm going to edit out. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I'm just kind of winging it here. But what um, this is more of a logistical question. How do you keep all this stuff together in your life? Do you have a system that you use, like an organizational system, uh, you know, like um, an app or do you use a big yellow pad and a to do list or how do you keep it all together? That's a very good question, too. I I actually I have a old fashioned moleskin <laughs> diary, like cool. a day plan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I write, you know, my deadlines in there and um, other things. Um, I have a pretty good memory. So I, I usually know because I do a lot of regular um, columns and things like that. So I have a fairly good memory. Like I know, okay, that deadline is coming up and I need to be thinking about that. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think the, the just the old fashioned, I really like the act of writing with a pen in a diary because I spend so much time online, whether I'm in a newsroom or, um, you know, editing a magazine or writing uh, on my laptop. So I've actually not embraced apps or um, electronic or digital calendars as much as I probably should have. Um, and that's one of my, it's something that, calms me and I enjoy. So it's like a little bit of Zen in a wired virtual world. Right. Right. Yeah. It's funny because I've gone back and forth between a written version and a digital version. And I find for me that the written version, I don't always have my book with me and I want to capture my, my memory is not like yours. I, I, my memory is like a freaking sieve. It's terrible. <laughs> and, uh, so I, and I've also, I also subscribe to David Allen, uh, David Allen's philosophy is the memory is not designed. Your brain is not designed to capture things. Well, I don't know if that just, that just works for me because I, it fits with my, my inability to really remember things or yeah. if that's actually true. But, uh, so I try to get everything down, but the problem is if I have a moleskin or a, a physical journal, uh, yeah, you know, I don't carry a pocketbook. I don't carry a, you know, a man purse or um, <laughs> and and even when I tried doing it with a little small notebook, I, I just it's another thing to carry, you know. So I've yeah. gone back to doing. I have an app on my iPhone that I use to to grab everything, and um, yeah. it's called Things that I really like. But um, yeah. I always I like to ask people like, what are their systems? Because I don't think there's one right system. It's it, there there are a lot, and I think we all struggle with keeping our lives together. I totally agree with you. And um, I, I mean, I do write like in my iPhone, I do to do lists uh -huh. and uh, some stuff. But what I like about the moleskin as well is that then I, I always have paper and a pen and it's the old school writer slash journalist in me who likes to write down something interesting someone says or an idea that I get. And uh, somehow it just resonates when I have that brain hand pen connection over something that I have typed. Yep. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, just, yeah. yeah I, I agree with you. I, I, I prefer that. So I really wanted to make the, the, the pen and the paper work, you know? So I, I mean, I tried many versions, hardcover, softcover, small, big, 
um, different pens that would motivate me, you know, like just because I love the pen. Uh, and I, it just became like, I, I it was like, okay, I'm trying to stick a square peg into a round hole. It's just not, it just, I don't always have it with me and I need it with me. So yeah. um, uh, I use my physical journal for writing in the morning typically and um, just, you know, I use an electronic version just to keep myself regularly organized otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people use both, um, but probably more people use elect like electronic or, or digital or whatever apps, um, yeah. Yeah. Google calendars and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and uh, but I think, yeah, there is something I noticed that my writing is very different when I write uh, now I'm not talking about scheduling something. I'm talking about just writing. It's it takes on a very different form if I do it in a notebook compared to when I like type it out on my my uh, yeah. Mac. Yep. And and that is an interesting thing to me too because of course you can't do the same sort of editing back and forth. Though almost all of my work, um, you know, for magazines and other places, I I start typing immediately you right know, into, right into yeah um so it's more the creative and the idea generation that happens right. with pen and that's cool. paper yeah what um so i gotta ask you i know you, you you mentioned that you should have already had your new your newest idea to your publisher what is your newest idea what are you what are you what's next what are you what, what are you planning on yeah yeah i'm not sure if i'm i'm supposed to reveal it but um we're, we're going to continue on the CISO theme, um, and the idea is a kind of daily CISO, so a guide oh, cool. for helping people um, tap into daily CISO. And then there are there are a few other ideas, um, and I have like the notes and stuff, but I just need to whip it up into a proposal and, and get it to my agent um, who already knows about the idea and is totally on board. And uh because I've had such a positive response to this book. I mean, it's been sold now in 21 different territories and that is wow. a territory is more than just a country. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that people are really interested in this. I think also people are interested in Finland um, because not that much has been written about Finland yeah. Uh, in the, yeah. And, you know, we've had all the Hygge and the log of, you know, the other Nordic trends the other scandy trends um so i think i would like to to continue on that uh theme because there's just so much material there to be mined and i think we all struggle and anything that helps people uh in kind of simple and sensible ways is really welcome well i love i love also how you are you're when you at least in this book you know i know you've become more of an expert in the writing of the book but the journey through the book you really weren't an expert and that it was very fun to explore that through your eyes of and watch you kind of shift things for yourself and and become more adept at this this different way yeah, and I think that is the absolute joy of my profession. You know, being a writer as a, a journalist is you're always getting to learn new things and explore new ideas. And I was just incredibly lucky. I mean, this my agent sold this book based on uh, a proposal 
a chapter by chapter outline and a few sample chapters, which is something that doesn't happen very, like usually with nonfiction, it's a full manuscript that is purchased. Yeah. And so I was just incredibly lucky um, and in, in timing too. people are interested in Finland. Um, for example, the World Happiness Report named Finland the world's happiest country. Hmm. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that was very newsworthy that increased the interest in any topic Finnish. Um, but I think I've always been incredibly fortunate. Like I've just been handed these opportunities where I've been petrified, but it's been like, okay, I just need to, I'm going to try, I'm going to tap into some fortitude I didn't even know I had, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go for it. Um, many years ago, I did TV news here uh, for the English language news service for the public broadcaster, and it wasn't something that I went after. I, I just went to for an interview to see if they needed people for the English language news service. And it turned out part of the deal was you had to do the TV news as well. And, um, and I was just petrified during the screen test and, you know, learning how to operate the teleprompter and, you know, everything and try to look really calm and, you know, as if you know what you're talking about on air, Mm -hmm. but it was an excellent opportunity for overcoming my, all of my fears and learning you know, how to speak in a confident, articulate way. And, you know, when you make a mistake, what you do and a whole variety of skills. And I've just repeatedly had these amazing opportunities where, you know, somebody hands me this opportunity and says, okay, what do you think? And it's like, okay, I will try it and see where it goes. And That's, I think, what writing a book is about, too. Even if you have written lots of books and you're an expert, um, it's always a kind of journey and it's always a kind of, um, you know, overcoming yourself. You know, you have to have a discipline of writing X number of hours a day of doing your research of, you know, all those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, does that answer your question? I think I went off topic a bit. Yeah, no, it's okay. We were talking about what you're going to do forward, but um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. all it's all good. It's all good. Well, I really appreciate you being on board. I we already know you've already told everybody about your Instagram feed. Is that the best place to find you? Are you Twitter yeah. also? Yeah, I think so because um, lately I've been I've been much more active on Instagram than on like Twitter and Facebook, and uh, Instagram just feels like the the natural nice happy meeting place for uh, people who want to find out more. Are you, do you have a handle that you want to tell people about on, on, um, on, on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, or is it just your name or what's the, how do they do it? It's just name on Twitter. It's my name. And um, on Instagram, it's my name. Um, Yeah. I, I, I've just used that as a handle um, for lack of Any, I, I thought it would be too much to go with a Sisu or a something else. And then because the book has a different name in different countries um, and, you know, not just the English language ones, but the German ones and all those. So I thought the best thing is to just go with the writer's name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've done the same thing. I'm very non-creative. All my handles are Andy Petronic. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> which I, it makes it really easy for people to find me. Uh, It does. I think it was smart for you to do that. Yeah, I agree with you because I find a lot of people have handles where it's like, oh, oh, that's my friend. So and so like because their handle is like completely 
has nothing to do with anything that I know about them. Yeah, right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, um, thank you so much. I'm sorry about the technical problems at the beginning, but this has been fantastic. I mean, this has been everything that I hoped it would be, this conversation, after reading your book. And, and, and um, you know, yeah. I just am really, really happy for you and the success of the book and very grateful for what you're, what you're communicating to the world through this, through this message. It's really awesome. Thank you so much. That's really, really kind. Um, I really appreciate your feedback. And it was lovely to, to be able to join you. Like, thank you for the invitation to, to speak with you. Hey, it's Andy. And thanks so much for listening. If you want to know more about what I'm learning each month, head over to andypetronic.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. If you were touched, moved, or inspired by anything you heard today, chances are someone else you know would be too please take a moment to think about who and send them a link to this episode. And if you're super stoked, please head over to iTunes to read a review. The best way to keep current on guests and episodes is to subscribe so that the latest one will automatically get delivered straight to your phone. The apps I use for this are Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or Pocket Casts. The Andy Petronic Podcast is produced by our team, Winslow Jenkins, Becca Borowski, and Ernie Hurtado. Big thanks to Nikki Grudadaria for the artwork. You can find all of our episodes, links, and complete show notes at wholelifechallenge.com forward slash podcast. I'm Andy Petronic. Thanks for listening.